and welcome to the second bonus episode of the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the game from an analytical viewpoint, my name's Harry Brooks and I'm joined again by Richard Webster. Hello, Richard. Hi, mate. You good? I'm good. Just finished watching the RB Leipzig um, Köln game. Another high goal scoring game. What did you make of it? Yeah, really entertaining. Uh, another good round of fixtures uh, this week already for the uh, for the Bundesliga. You, you said it right, a high-scoring fixture, 4-2 in the end to uh, to Leipzig. Good win for them, puts them right back into um, into third, uh, chasing Dortmund hard. And, and yeah, it's been another a great round of fixtures. Very entertaining football. Uh, a little bit open, perhaps. We'll get onto that yep. in a little bit. But yeah, it was, it was another good game. Well, we were going to record this podcast after yesterday's fixture, um, Paderborn, uh, Borussia Dortmund, finishing 6-1 to Borussia Dortmund. But we both said, you know what, the Leipzig game is probably going to produce another hatful of goals, so let's wait. And obviously, we weren't disappointed. And we do come from a coach's perspective. And yes, the Bundesliga at the moment, it is very exciting, very fun to watch. And, you know, that's, that is the idea of, you know, being football fans. But from a coach's perspective, um, me and you have been pulling our hair out, haven't we, over how certain teams have been setting up in the Bundesliga um, since the return of um, since the return of football, and that's what we're going to talk about first of all, isn't it? Um, how open these teams are. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it's necessarily anything to do with the setup. To be honest with you, I think it's the um, uh, the intent of the teams, and I think there's there is certainly an openness to the to most of the sides, even the top sides, uh, probably with the exception of Bayern Munich. Um, and then it's no surprise that they're the team that, that sits comfortably at the top of the league. I think there's a lack of pragmatism. So if you look at the teams in the chasing pack, for example, uh, you've got Dortmund in there. You've got uh, Leipzig, who we just spoke about. Uh, Gladbach, Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, Leverkusen. Um these teams have uh, have all conceded, you know, a, a, a sizable chunk of goals um, in just the the twenty nine games that they've played so far. And uh, while they're all really good to watch, take Dortmund for example, and, and Leipzig being you know the third in the table, they're great going forward, but uh, they're very very open at the back and they're very susceptible to quick counters um, and to conceding chances and conceding goals. And I think that's going to cost them. Uh, in the long run. Indeed. The reason why I believe it is um, partly one of the reasons down to the setup is because if I look across the league, I see a lot of philosophical managers in the Bundesliga and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the issue you can have with um, with that sort of modern day philosophical manager is it can be very much my idea, my ways of doing things um, and we're going to stick to our principles of play. And if I look across the board and look, look at the Bundesliga teams, I think it's quite scary how... If I just look at one um, trait that I've, not, I've noticed about how teams set up, I've touched on it um, in a recent episode, was how high the Bundesliga sides leave their defensive line. And the first goal from um, Köln came from that today. Um, a very high line again from RB Leipzig, despite Köln having the ball quite high up. Um, there wasn't too much pressure on the ball, which is quite surprising for Leipzig. Um, but because of the lack of pressure on the ball and... Um, Leipzig getting caught high up, Upamecano in particular. Um, quite a simple run, a good run, but quite a simple run in behind. And all of a sudden, um, Cohen have, have uh, put the ball in the back of the net after a, a passage of play. And I just think across the board, when we said it earlier before, before we started recording, if you look at the Premier League, you don't really see too many through balls anymore. Teams are probably more structured to, to, to deal with that kind of thing. Um, compact in defence. Um, 
But if you look at the Bundesliga, I mean, you said it earlier, how many through balls did we see in just tonight's game alone um, through maybe a lack of pressure on the ball than just through the defensive line being so high up? So that's where my viewpoint comes from, that it's, it's an issue with maybe how teams are set up. Um, I don't know what you think on that. I, I believe, yeah, there's there's certainly more one-on-ones with the goalkeeper. Today, Colm should have well, they had uh, at least three chances that I counted where they were through on the goalkeeper. Uh, they certainly had a big chance late on uh, to make it 4-3, uh, to pull one back with five minutes to go or six minutes to go, whatever it was. That would have made it really interesting. Um, I'm not sure if it was such so much to do with the high line, but I do believe there's not enough pressure on the ball. And overall, I believe there's, I think it's more about game management. I, I, do, I don't think uh, playing with a particularly high line, and they've all got decent centre-backs, they've all got quick centre-backs. That's that's the um, one of the most uh, sought-after attributes for a centre-back nowadays. But I, I think it's far too easy to get behind teams. Um, yep. And then I think there's, there's, there's a lack of game management. I, I, I can't have it... Uh, that it's, I can't understand that it would be anyone's philosophy to concede this many goals or to concede even this many chances. So, uh, like you said, it was uh, Paderborn 1, uh, Dortmund 6. Uh, Paderborn could have scored more. Dortmund didn't have to work very, very hard for that win. Uh, Leipzig won 4-2 today. FC Cold should, should, sorry, should certainly have scored uh, at least one more goal. Uh, they certainly had the chances for it. So you've seen these teams like really, really open um, and really susceptible, even against you know mid-table teams, to being to being caught out. And I, I don't yeah. believe that's a philosophical thing. I don't believe that's a manager saying, "Oh, well, it's my way or the highway." I mm. just think it's a lack of game management and knowing when to put your foot on the ball, slow things down, and actually take the sting out of the game. Um, so today's game, while very entertaining was uh, sort of a little bit basketball-y. That's what was, that was going through in my head, yeah. Game of basketball. You attack, we attack. And it's, it's, it, it did feel like at times it was a, a, a toss of the coin as to who would get the next goal and who would get the win. And I just think that yeah, if you look at a lot I of those go on. Nagelsmann gets a lot of credit and he's obviously a great coach. And he, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's been spoke about in, in really glowing terms recently as one of the next... Uh, generation of really exciting coaches to come on board but a game like this doesn't do him any favors because like you no. said it was it almost it almost turned into a shootout and the reason they scored four and Cohn scored two is because he's got better players on the field not yes. because he's a better coach than the other manager or, or whatever it might be or they were set up better he certainly can't claim to have won the tactical battle because there didn't seem to be any tactics on display at all it was a case of okay we'll attack and, and Cohn were very open uh, Leipzig got in behind uh, through the through using their width. Angelino was excellent, uh, yeah. delivering from the left on many He's got occasions. A very good delivery from deep, hasn't he? Yeah, really, really superb. And we saw that on a few occasions. Uh, yeah. They counterattacked really quickly. Uh, Werner was, you know, had a couple of chances and stuck one away as he does. And you just look at it and think, okay, well, but they were just as open as Colin at the back. Yeah. And yeah. if you put Timo Werner. In Cole's team, I believe you might end up with a three-three or four-two the other way around. Yeah. So it's it's a strange one. He's he's a great coach, no doubt, and he's um, he's on the up and up, and he's really exciting. And the, the team that he's created there is very exciting as well. But I do think there's this trend across the whole league to be wide open, which makes for a really entertaining and exec, you know exciting spectacle. Uh, but perhaps it's not the most mature of football. Yeah, I mean even. Literally, that's a perfect word, like maybe lack of maturity. Um, it was literally 
50-minute mark, and it was 2-1 to Leipzig, wasn't it, at the time. So obviously, Kona are well, well in the game. And they have a free kick in a dangerous area. And every single Cohen player is in the opposition half. It's only 2-1 at the time to Leipzig, well within the game. Um, most of the second half to go. They've only played five minutes in the second half. And yet they've pushed every single Cohen player into the opposition half. Gulachi plucks the ball out of the air, as keepers often do with a free kick, looks up and cannot believe his luck that he sees Timo Werner with all the space you want in the world. Um, a good pass from Gulachi and Timo Werner just has to run ruined the acres of space and there was never any doubts um, that it was going to finish. I mean, it, it, sound, it, sound, it sounds old-fashioned to say, but if we, honestly, if we saw our academy boys do that from a young age, we would be going ballistic. Um, and that sounds quite an old-fashioned thing to say, but it is true. It's the, that's not acceptable. I'm not, uh, you know, I do have sympathy for, for, you know, how fans can get on um, footballers' backs and teams' backs and they don't quite understand, obviously, how, how difficult it is to constantly perform, but but that kind of mistake in the Bundesliga, I just don't think that's acceptable. Well, that's sort of rudimentary. It, it was like, it, like you said, it was a great pass from a goalkeeper. It didn't even have to be that good. He just, no. he just put it far enough forward that it that Werner could run onto it, not too far forward that the opposition goalkeeper could get. Yeah. He's just, you know, and any top level goalkeeper will be able to drop it into that area. He did Indeed. that, and, and Werner did the rest. And I, I couldn't believe that there wasn't a covering defender, or that they hadn't left enough people back. Um, it was quite schoolboy-esque. I know we say that, people say that a lot, but check yeah. that goal out and, and you'll see what we're talking <laughs> about, the, the third goal. And then the game was completely changed and it was a little bit like um, I was watching the, the Dortmund game the day before with uh, Paderborn and Jaden Sancho um, came back with a bang. So I think it was his first start since the break and he got a hat-trick. Yeah. Um, and he got a lot of, you know, he got a lot of glowing reports and obviously he played better than he had before and, and he has struggled a little bit with fitness and uh you know to to be to be fully uh, to be fully fit and on his on his top game um mm. and he scored three goals which was fantastic but it, it, he's played much better than that he didn't have to yeah. work very hard for those three goals no. um and the whole team you know Dortmund didn't have to work hard to get him behind it was a matter of time before they scored one or two and then because there's no pragmatism in the game because it's such an open style of football. Then you can score four, five, and six, and that's what that's what ended up happening. And I think there's a danger. I know it's, it might sound a bit controversial, but we spoke about this before with uh, the Bundesliga being the place for young players. I think with the dominance of Bayern Munich and then the openness of the teams below, the Bundesliga is possibly in danger of becoming a development league because mm. the way that I saw it today resembled. You had Premier Premier League cl- like quality on there, so you yeah. did have have players with top quality. That they've got superb individuals. Yes, but then it was some of the stuff was a mixture of what you would see maybe in the in the, in the Championship and then under twenty threes football, in terms of the lack of um, pressure on the ball, yeah. uh, the lack of intent, the lack of uh, physical aggression in terms of fouls and and free kicks conceded. Um, and the openness and the naivety in defending. Um, oh. And if if you've got a team as dominant as Bayern Munich and then a chasing pack of this, that this open and they're this easy to score against, um, then there's not much chance of them closing that gap anytime soon. So it, it, it's in danger of becoming a great place for young players to thrive because of those things, because of a lack of pressure on the ball, because you're able to, like Jaden Sancho scored three without without breaking a sweat. Yeah, you know this, this shouldn't be happening. Not if he's going to be prepared 
then to come and maybe make a step up to a, a bigger club and or dominate at a slightly higher level of football. Um, I, I do think it's it's in danger of going down that route. And I think it's important to preface this saying, um, you know, we're, we're criticising right now, perhaps generally across the board, um, a lack of pressure on the ball from Bundesliga teams. And and if people were listening to this, they're probably thinking, that, well, no, Bundesliga teams, they press superbly. Um, you know, Leipzig, they press superbly. But pressure on the ball literally just means pressure on the ball. Um, it's all well and good being a high pressure team. Sorry, a team that presses high, which Leipzig do. They, they do that very well. They press high. But as we saw today with the first goal, it was perhaps a lack of defensive pressure on the ball. And being a well, being a good pressing team, it doesn't just mean that you press high up the pitch. You can be a superb pressing team that presses in the defensive phase and puts pressure on the ball in the defensive phase, like Atletico Madrid. Being a good pressing team doesn't just mean that you are a high pressing team like RB Leipzig. And what we are saying is that across the board in the Bundesliga, there is too many scenarios in a game where there is a lack of pressure on the ball whether it's in the the, uh, the defensive phase, the middle third, or pressing high, um, Leipzig of I think mastered the high press. They they are very good at it. I I, I will not knock them for that. Um, being Spurs fans playing against them in the Champions League this year, they they know we know all too well about that uh, firsthand. But um, as you said, there's across the board in the Bundesliga, it is far too um, easy to play. Oh, easy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, and it, there's not, there's not of, enough pressure kind of on teams. I, I think it is too easy. It's too easy for teams to get the ball to their strikers' feet or to yeah. develop a... Like Leipzig uh, in this game today, it, time after time, they were able to go through the phases and find Angelino on the overlap in space down the left, unchallenged. And, you know, there's 10 yards and 15-yard passes being played through the lines, breaking the lines through midfield. Yeah. They'll rotate it around. It goes into the striker, comes back out. It goes wide left. Um, and not a finger's been laid on him. And it's, it is it is a bit passive in that regard. Um, so, And if they expect to get closer to Bayern Munich, then, that, then that's definitely not the way to do it because Bayern Munich will more often than not go and do a professional jobs on teams. Um, so you'll see them go to a big side and win 2-0 away just do a, a proper job what needs to be done um they're certainly not going to go to cold and, and uh be as open as that so no. it's, it's going to be it's going to be tricky there's some really really exciting teams here don't get me wrong and there's some unbelievable talent and it's yeah it's a, it's a top league no doubt but with the openness of it our point is that uh that has pros and cons one of the pros is that it's a great place to develop young talents and that's why we're seeing so many uh young players looking to go there and going there already and thriving because there's this attacking style of play. So you're seeing really, really bright young talents go there and, and be able to develop. But the downside of that is that perhaps there's a lack of maturity in the play and a lack of pragmatism and uh, and game management and game control, uh, even from the top sides. So it's a strange one. Indeed, indeed. If I may, I do want to talk, um, slight, change of subject slightly, but I want to talk specifically about a certain goal that was scored today. Um, purely because, well, for two reasons. First of all, uh, we were working on it earlier with a player um, in a one-to-one. Um, and uh, secondly, because I think it's an aspect of the game or a technical practice that is so often ignored by pro footballers and is actually rarely picked up. Um, and it is Christopher Nkuku's goal. It was the goal to give RB Leipzig the lead. And um, a lot will get spoken about his finish, his dinked finish, which was a, a beautiful finish. But the reason he was able to score, you know, able to produce that chip or that dink is because of his first touch that got him in that position. Um, 
And quite simply, um, the reason he got into the area was because he moved the ball with his first touch. Uh, uh, Lima played the ball forwards. It was quite an awkward ball to take, a bouncing ball, which um, we were serving players earlier. And we were telling players they have to take it in their stride, um, being proactive with it, moving the ball with the first touch into an area. And Nkuku done that superbly. Um, he took the ball in his stride, um, perfect weight of touch. Um, and because he went forward um, into the danger area, it enticed Horn out of goal. And it kind of made Nkuku's um, finish a lot easier than perhaps it would have been um, if he had just controlled the ball and allowed play to catch up with him. And we get we speak about it a lot, don't we? Um, about the importance of players moving the ball with their first touch. And if you're listening to this, I urge you just to watch. You know, the next live game of football. Pay attention to how many times a player will just control the ball, stop it dead, um, killing the momentum of the attack. It happens all the time in games. And I'm not saying that every single touch has to be proactive, but I think that we we both agree, Richard, don't we? That too often in football you see players take a negative touch or just decide to kill the ball dead, um, play too safe. And you, you've called it in the past playing chess, almost like pass, control, stop, pass, control, stop, killing the momentum of um, attacks. And that was a goal that um, I want to talk about today. And I know that it's obviously a goal that you feel passionate about as well or, or, a, or a situation that you feel passionate about. Yeah, definitely. I think we see it a lot. We speak to a lot of young players from all, all different levels of the game. Um, and, and that's one of the big... Uh, aspects we try and develop in, in players and it doesn't matter which, which position they play on the field so it doesn't matter if it's a wide player or forward or a defensive player or whatever and it's about taking a proactive touch and a positive touch a positive touch doesn't have to necessarily go towards goal but it, it needs to go to, it needs to help the second action so one of my pet hates is when you see a ball you know a, a, a fine attacking move has been developed and a winger might be or wide forward might be um, down the flank and he's he's battling against the opposition fullback he'll turn around and he'll set the ball to the fullback for a first time cross um often instead of taking the first time cross uh the fullback might stop the ball control the ball and then the whole stadium groans and it's like right okay that's that missed opportunity and now you've got to go back again so i was watching uh the game the other week which was the the, the classica between uh, dortmund and bayern munich and in the second half uh, Dortmund had two good chances to get the ball into the box. They developed a nice triangle um, towards the 18-yard box with, I think, Guerrero and Sancho and um, I can't remember who else it was involved at the time, maybe Hazard. Um, and then because of a negative touch or because of a lack of positivity or lack of a touch that takes the ball forward or just incisive into space, sort of a, a nothing touch, they've ended up being on the edge of the box one moment and if you fast-forward play three seconds later, they're back with their own centre-backs and it, it's so easily overlooked and it's so it happens so often and um, those moments matter those moments add up in the game and players are costing their team by doing that so when you saw in Cuckoo Deer today it, it was a moving a moving ball the player's moving and he's taking it into his stride perfectly for the dink finish now he's had to adapt and and pull off the finish as well but he doesn't even get the shot away without the positive touch first um, yeah. I think it's a it's a massive skill. We see it with wide players a lot when there's been a big switch of play. Often a wide player will control the ball, uh, bring it down with his instep or his thigh or whatever it might be, allowing the opposition player to come around and cover the space. So now his second touch has to be a negative one, going back towards goal or coming inside or, or basically just killing any potential momentum in the move. Uh, now, sometimes that's the right thing to do. 
sometimes yep. it's a ball it's it's too difficult and a player maybe doesn't back themselves to take that touch or yeah, yeah. maybe they, they don't have a supporting player uh so there's nothing they could have done with a second touch anyway but the thing we try and instill in young players from a young age is try and take a touch that at least gives you an option of something positive with your second touch whether it's uh, to run into space, whether it's to continue a dribble, whether it's to go past the player first time, whether it's to shoot, to pass, to cross, whatever it might be. Uh, it's a very, very difficult skill to do, to be moving and take a moving ball as well at the same time. Uh, but as we saw from the goal today, it makes a massive difference um, if yeah. players can have that confidence and have that ability to do it. It's a big thing. Indeed, we're speaking about it from like a fours perspective, but it, but it's an issue we see all across areas in the pitch. I remember very specifically um, right at the start of the season, um, Leicester City went away to Chelsea, um, Stamford Bridge, and Johnny Evans, who's a fabulous footballer, had a great career, but he received the pass at the back with not much pressure on the ball. But he decided to stop the ball dead, even though he had space to move into and be proactive. And he then passed to Ndidi from that standing position, who was then immediately under pressure from Mason Mount, who I think went on to score. And yes, it was Ndidi's mistake, but because Johnny Evans just decided to stop the momentum of the attack and, as you said before, play chess, pass to um, Ndidi from a standing position, it just made Mount's life much easier to press him and to then go on and score. So it happens across the pitch. Um, I don't know quite why it happens so often. As you said, it's not that you always have to do it. There are situations where you do have to control the ball um, dead and and stop it. But I just think it's far too often. And yeah, um, I would probably say that actually um, Nkuku's goal today, for the reason that we've spoken about, is maybe my my favourite goal of the weekend. Um, well, one thing we one thing we yeah. try and uh, um, how we try and uh, phrase it is uh, move the ball, move the body. Yes. Um, so when that ball comes into you, however it comes in, we think it's important with your first touch that you move the ball and you move your body. So after one touch, you should be somewhere different. You yeah. should be either half a yard, a yard, two yards, whatever it might be. But you shouldn't be exactly where you received the ball. You should move the ball in some direction and you should move the body as well. And if you can get into that habit, then more often than not, you can find yourself in space and you can have a positive second action. Uh, but today's example was a great one. I do remember a really, really good one from the World Cup a few years back with uh, with Messi, where he took a fantastic ball in his stride, uh, a ball over the top on his thigh. So moving player, moving ball, he cushions it with his thigh, takes it away from the defender with his second yes. touch yeah. and uh, wallops it into the net with his third touch. And it was completely made by the goal, uh, by the touch. That goal yeah. owed everything to the first touch, which was phenomenal. Yeah. No, what a goal. Me and you have said, move the body, move the ball to players so many times in coaching sessions over the last few years. I now say it in a Welsh accent. We've said it together that many times. I now say it in a Welsh accent. It's ridiculous. But yes, no, um, a fabulous goal and um, very important technical practice for any aspiring footballers um, that are listening to this. Um, before we wrap up, I want to talk about a few maybe specific players that we, we watched over the weekend um, or over the, the, yeah, the weekend's football. Um, the first player, um, we've mentioned him quite a few times already in our podcast, but I want to speak maybe more specifically about the role he's currently fulfilling. Um, and that is Kai Havertz at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, he scored the winner again, um, on Friday for, for Bayer Leverkusen. Um, and since the return, he's been, he's been playing as oh, people call it a false nine. I, I, I don't really like giving sort of positions, names and stuff. I just prefer talk about the player and the kind of role they fill. If you want to call it a false nine, call it a false nine, whatever. But he's basically played the role as a forward, the centre forward um, that likes to drop deep and has has runners off him. And looking at his performances, 
Um, it's made me think that he could be a real asset to Liverpool in, in the Firmino role. Um, I've recently spoken about how perhaps I think that Liverpool should maybe consider selling Mo Salah to freshen up the attack and how maybe I think that Mo Salah is the most replaceable one. You're going to get front. in trouble again, Harry. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I've got thick enough skin now. I've said it that many times. I've got thick enough skin to deal with it. So give me what you've got. It's all good. But no, but the reason why I have said maybe suggested to sell Mo Salah is because I did previously think he is the um, the most replaceable. Certainly not easy to replace, but the most replaceable. Um, because I wasn't too sure Liverpool would find a player that could do Firmino's role. But looking at Kai Havertz play for Bayer Leverkusen as the forward, I think he would be superb at it. Um, the goal um, that he scored on Friday was uh, exemplary of a goal you'd actually see from Liverpool. So Havertz uh, dropped deep um, to, to pick up the ball. Um, he laid it off first time, kind of like a reverse pass to to Bailly, um, to, to Leon Bailey, who, um, who made the run ahead of him. Leon Bailey held it up a little bit. Havertz made another run on the outside of him. Um, Leon Bailey played it back in. One, two, and it's a goal. And... Looking at Havertz's record um, this year as a forward, um, I think you'd be quite surprised, actually. So, he's played 26 games this year in the Bundesliga. scored 11 goals. Fantastic. But I think most people associate him with him as an attacking midfielder. Um, that's where he's played most of his Bundesliga games this year. He's played 13 games as an attacking midfielder. But he's only got two goals and one assist as an um, attacking midfielder. Probably because his role this year as an attacking midfielder was to combine, link play, and etc. But... Since he's moved to centre-forward, he's played five games, scored six goals and got one assist. And I just think that if you look at his profile of player, he would really, really suit being the player for Liverpool in the Firmino role that drops deep, connects play, has Salah and Mane running ahead of him. And I just think that's a front three that would be absolutely frightening. Um, what do you think about that? I think I think he's good enough to play for every team. I think he's an absolute yeah. bona, fide, uh, bona fide superstar. Um, I think he's, is he still 20 or 21? He's um, 20 years old. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think he, there's something came out last week that he was the, the fastest to reach 30 goals. Um, or yeah, something like that in the Bundesliga. I think he's had over 80 goal involvements in the Bundesliga, goals and assists um, already in his career. Uh, don't yeah. hold me to that. But I think it's something around the 40 goal mark and around the around the 30 something assist mark. It's just insane. Obviously, we're wary of like hyping up players too, like when they're young yeah, and everything course. like that. Yeah, yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd expect uh, you'd expect some sort of a dip at yes, some he will point, do, which definitely, is, yeah. which is only natural. I think only yeah. there's only very very few players who who start uh, you know explode onto the scene and then maintain that level for the entire of their career. That doesn't really happen, but, and especially in the, the position that he plays. But I think he's bona fide um, superstar, and people are talking about. It's almost like the the one that everyone talks about the most is Jaden Sancho. I actually think Kai Havertz is a better player than Jaden Sancho. Um, I think that's a good shout. I don't think there's anything wrong with having that opinion, mate. I really don't. He gets, he maybe gets a little bit less coverage because the team he plays for isn't quite as, um, quite as successful. They're not, um, they're not in your face as much. Obviously, Jaden Sancho mm. gets a lot of coverage. X Man City's English, yeah. English national team. Um, so that makes a little bit of a difference. Um, I think it's just. Obviously, they're different types of players as well. These, are, you know, this is horses for courses. But um, yeah. I, I think I'd have no qualms in, in saying that he's um, he would be my top pick if I was a top team looking for a, a sign in in a forward position or attacking midfield, wide forward coming in, uh, even as a centre forward option. Like you said, I don't think he's a, is his best position centre forward. Um, I'd have him more as a um, attacking midfielder coming off the left, uh, okay. f- floating around because I think that's where he'll make 
more of a difference, more of an impact as as the seasons go on. That's where I think he'll end up more naturally. I don't think he'll play as, as, a, as a pure centre-forward, um, but he'd be my number one pick across um, across Europe, definitely. Any players this weekend um, stick out for you? Well, we spoke a little bit about the, the centre-back from Leipzig, uh, Upa Makano, and um, it was yep. an interesting one. So, uh, yeah, he, he's another one who's got a lot of praise recently and has been talks about him moving on to, to bigger and better things or whatever. Which seems a bit strange. I mean, Leipzig is not exactly a small club. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, we're saying, oh, big, uh, moving up to a bigger club, and it's like, well, they're third in the Bundesliga, so there's not too much, you know, there's not much more room to go. Um, yeah. But you know, they, he, he's definitely capable of making a step, and I, yeah, he's a good player. He's a really, really good player. But I do believe there's there's still some way to go. Like struggle today, I think. And struggled might be a bit much, but yeah, there was a few times where he just got. Uh, maybe stuck under the ball or rolled a bit too easily um, in the 1v1s. A few times the forwards from Colm were able to get in behind him. Um, but I did like, there was a few things that he did which I really liked. Uh, the, his confidence to bring the ball forwards, um, which often gets overlooked. They talk about centre-backs bringing the ball forwards and it's almost as if he, if he doesn't carry the ball 30 yards and it doesn't count. But I think yeah. bringing the ball forwards, even if it's a... There was one in the, at the start of the second half where... Uh, he faked the striker, the opposition striker, with his shoulders, uh, chopped the ball inside him, just pushed the ball out of his feet 15 yards and started an attack. Um, this is this is a big skill to have. This is a big yeah. ability to have, the ability to take the ball, just just drift past the player. Uh, like we said, move the body, move the ball. So he's positive with his ter- first touch. He backed his uh, accuracy of touch and weight of touch to get into the space, drove the ball 10 or 15 yards forward, and then launches an attack. You know, the alternative is if he doesn't have that in his locker, if he's not that confident, he turns back and goes to the goalkeeper or or plays to his plays across to his other centre back, you know, his his defensive partner. So I saw a lot there that I think he can make the step up to a, a higher level. But I do think there's still some uh, gaps in his game. Perhaps that longer pass needs to be improved. Um, and a bit more dominance as well, which seems strange to say because he is a big strapping, uh, big strapping lad, but mm. sometimes doesn't dominate as much as you think he might. Indeed, indeed, and that wraps it up for this week's bonus episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the uh, the rapid fire analysis from myself and Richard over the weekend's football. Um, all that's left for me to do is to say thanks to Richard. Thanks, mate. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay tuned for this week's full episode. Um, stay safe and see you soon. Hello.